Hey everyone, Kareem Ray here, and today I have Matthew Arone on with us today. Matthew, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me, and uh, excited we can finally get into this. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Can you please introduce yourself to the viewers? Yeah, so uh, my name is Matthew, obviously. Uh, I am an Italian-Canadian professional footballer, which is super exciting for me, and we'll, we'll dive into my story and why that's so exciting. I'm so proud to say that. Um, I'm from Toronto, Ontario. Um, I've played in the Canadian Premier League for the last three years, uh, spent one year abroad in Italy. Um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm also the founder of uh, Mindframe, which is something we'll talk about a little later in the show. But uh, yeah, uh, something that is very dear to my heart. And, and um, I'm a strength and conditioning specialist by trade as well, a bachelor's degree in kinesiology from York University. Uh, I spent five years playing with York University as well, so that's a little bit of my playing background. Um, and yeah, that's uh, just super excited to be here, and uh, let's go wherever you want to take it, Kareem. Absolutely. I mean, it's awesome to have you on, Matthew, again. So, you know, you, you mentioned that you were in the CPO for three years, which is amazing. So you were there from the beginning, but let's go a little bit back further to, like, where football all started for you. Who introduced you to football? So uh, I, have an, I had an older brother, uh, he actually passed away when, when I was young, but uh, he was someone that very much, you know, was my, you know, being a, a younger sibling, being, you know, aspiring to be like your older sibling. And one of the things he took to was soccer and, um, you know, wanting to, you know, interact with him, wanting to be there. That was the natural progression for me to get into it. Um, there was obviously a, a deep passion lying in our family roots as well. Um, you know, whether we have family in Italy or family in Canada, it's it's obviously football is something that's big in Europe and especially in Italy. It's something that's almost religious uh, in nature. And um, that was just kind of in our blood, per se. I'd like to say it's in our blood. And, you know, it's something that we, we watched. And when we weren't watching, we were playing. And when we weren't playing, we were playing video games. Right. So um, something we dove into. Uh, and, but he was uh, obviously a reason why I got started. Uh, just, you know, purely being a child and wanting to be like my older brother. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sorry to hear about your older brother. Um, in, in regards, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Canada or in Italy? So I grew up in Canada. I spent, you know, some time, you know, when I was in my teens, I had made a few trips to, again, connect with family there. And I had, like I said, I spent a year in 2018 uh, prior to coming back to play professionally in Canada. Spent a year with family. Actually, I was very blessed to spend some time there and live with them. And and, and also continue my footballing career. But yeah, uh, born and raised in Canada, born and raised in Vaughan, Ontario, uh, played for a bunch of clubs growing up, Woodbridge, uh, Glen Shields, um, Kleinberg, Vaughan, uh, you know, you name it, as well as Toronto FC Academy, uh, Unionville. Um, so th that was kind of comprising my, my youth soccer career. We had a very good team at Unionville. A bunch of us got plucked for Toronto FC Academy. Um, way back, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit for some of the viewers, but you know, uh, when the academy was only 50 players, there was a junior academy and a senior academy, so it was very prestigious to be selected for that, and it was it was a very great experience for myself as well, and uh, to be you know coached at times by Daddy Dicchio and and you know very very influential figures in, in Canadian soccer, um, that was awesome for me, and uh, yeah, just kind of I grew up, I went to school here. Um, yeah, just born and raised here, but but always with that that Italian lens, uh, you know, being of an immigrant family and my mom coming from Italy when she was very young and that sort of thing and to build a life for us, a better life for us here in Canada. 
it was uh football was always a part of that for sure um but it was uh it was very much a canadian upbringing that's amazing i mean italians have a really close place to, to me in my heart because i um, i played soccer in woodbridge for for five plus years so a lot of italians over there and they're amazing people in regards of italy um you know can you paint a picture i've never been there personally and for the viewers that haven't been there personally what is it like in italy uh from a footballing context or just living or both or both yeah okay so I'll, I'll touch on the life first and foremost i think being a canadian we have a unique experience i think you know what's so special about being canadian and this is this is why i love travel so much this is why i love football so much because it gives you these travel experiences or this contrast per se in culture um, but living in Italy was an interesting, um, almost an eye-opener in a positive way, but also a negative way. So, you know, the European lifestyle is a, a little bit more of a simplified lifestyle than we're used to here in North America. You know, I think about things like technology or, um, you know, vehicles, for example. We're not, you know, there they have one vehicle for everybody and they, they're very much accustomed to taking public transit. And it's very normal to do those things. It's it's also, you know, by geographically, it's very tight and very narrow and everything's very close together. So it's a little bit easier to get around. But, um, you know, there's a little bit more of a simplification, you know, maybe one television for everybody in the house rather than four or five everywhere in every room. Um, you know, so culturally, there's a, a simplification that I really found refreshing, whether that be a Friday night where, you know, here in Canada, we would never turn the TV on and, and put music on and dance, right? And, and that was very much something that, in, in our family we did uh on on our free time rather than you know search for other things or external things to bring us happiness i think they really found that within each other in their family context which uh you know i'll take with me forever i think their ability to be vulnerable with each other as well emotionally and the way that they interact with each other um you know from whether that be male to male or male to female there is a level of uh, emotional intelligence i think that's elevated that allows people to connect a little bit deeper um, and that's something that was really positive, but there are, there are certainly negatives, right? And this is where football comes into it as part of culture, but also it's just part of the culture that, you know, when we understand Italy historically, um, it, there was a time in Italy's history where it was fascist, right? And, and, you know, I think there are still some older generations that they, they still are very prejudiced. They still are very racist really. And, and I think, seeing and hearing those things and the way that they interact or the way that their attitudes are towards foreigners. Um, and it's not everybody, of course, but it's certainly those who are born and raised in a country who came from immigrant parents um, and they don't have Italian blood. So a lot of the times I'd see a lot of discrepancies with the way that people would treat me and simply because, oh, but you have Italian blood, your parents are Italian, you're Italian. And there's people that have lived in that country their whole life who are Egyptian, who are Moroccan, um, and they're treated as if they're foreigners their whole life when they really have more of an entitlement to be called Italian than I do, right? So there was a bit of that that, that really, from an empathetic perspective, I really felt that they were behind uh, with regard to our progressive culture, and we still have a long way to go in Canada. But it was very eye-opening in that way and, and almost a bit of an ugly side of, of the Italian culture that um, made me very grateful to be Canadian, honestly. I know we still have a long way to go with this regard, but um it certainly showed me that we are ahead of certain cultures and and they could really learn things from us just like we could from them right so um and then when we talk about football again there's there's some unique experiences i would say about being canadian um i think there's certainly a stigma and and it's getting better with people like alfonso davies and jonathan david really breaking down the barriers and and making a name for canadians 
Um, but there is certainly a stigma to being from Canada and, and entering, you know, the Italian or European footballing culture. Um, you know, when I first got there, I started with a fifth division team because nobody would take a look at me. And, and regardless of me knowing that this was too low a level and getting there and, and playing, you know, very well in, in training and, and really being above the level, in my opinion, at, for that level, you know, it, it took some time before a fourth division team would really give me a look or, or another team where, you know, we're entering into those pro ranks now, right, where I could train with a professional team. Um, it took some time to just almost break that barrier down to for them to see me as one of them, um, rather than just see me as a footballer who's quality enough or not quality enough to play at that level, right? So um, there was some there was some interesting dynamics there to navigate for sure. Um, but I tried to take it as a life experience. I tried to take it as a footballing experience and and bring the best of it back and and, and leave leave the ugliness obviously where it is and hopefully you know even provide a fresh perspective for some of the locals for some of my family members who had never seen things dare I say in a Canadian in a Canadian light where we're so um, you know welcoming or much more welcoming at least to two different cultures, right? And and I'm a product of an immigrant family. And had we not been welcomed to Canada, I wouldn't be sitting before you talking. Perhaps I wouldn't have been able to chase my dream of being a professional footballer. All of these beautiful experiences I've had in my life were a result of having Canada as a landing spot for my family. So I'm very grateful to immigration, for example, and that's something perhaps that they don't have the same appreciation for. Um, so I think there's a, like I said, there's there was a lot of living to be done in that, in that year. And I'm very grateful for it because I think I've grown as a person because of it. Absolutely. Through time, things will change. Hopefully. You, you mentioned a really good point. It's it's so interesting. I've had that same experience in France and England that, you know, because you're a, simply just a Canadian, you know, where you come from and not having that proof of the pudding, like before Jonathan David, before Alfonso Davis, right? You know, we were going out there in these countries trying to make a name for ourselves and and not getting the respect just simply because of where we come from. It's 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 a very interesting aspect that you touched on. It's a great point to share with, with the viewers. Now, in regards of you going pro, you know, you mentioned that you went to York University, you graduated from there, and then how did you break into the pro atmosphere? Yeah, so for me, honestly, it was a bit of a weird circle that came full, um, probably closer to 2019. I had tried. Uh, I don't think, you know, and I'll touch on this a little bit later and I'll touch on why I don't think I was ready um, afterwards if you if you want to go there. But in 2016, I graduated from York University. So I had won two national championships. I'd won five provincial championships and, you know, very much, as you know, York University to be in Canada, one of the one of the best, if not the best program in recent history. Um, very proud to be a part of that and and that community. But you know, the natural progression is when you, that's the highest level of Canadian football at the time. And where do you go next? Right. And, and what's the next progression being, you know, a leader, a captain on that team and, and having the success that I did. Um, so naturally I, I picked up and I went to North Carolina FC. Uh, they had a under 23 reserve program and I got regular time training with the first team and I played a PDL season with them um, in hopes to again, break into the first team. Right. So I went there, uh, trained often with the first team and and then they made a decision to to not take me it was a very up and down inconsistent season from my perspective um, and I didn't really instill for for example a center back being someone you'd want to be able to rely on perhaps I didn't I didn't demonstrate that as much as I, I was capable of uh, you know years later but um, that was one opportunity that that kind of went astray and and then I, I went back to league one uh, playing for Vaughn 
um, tried, you know, tried playing in a new position. Someone, you know, my, my head coach, Carmen, he, he saw a defensive midfielder in me and he, he decided that I would be a, one of those players being technically uh, very good for a defender. I thought maybe I could, I could stretch you into a midfielder. He tried it. It worked out well. We, again, we won the league, we won the cup, qualified for the Canadian championship. Um, and then there was one instant in July where we had a friendly game against Frosinone, which is an Italian team in Serie B, second division, who actually got promoted that year. So they were entering um, into Serie A, which is obviously the top flight. Um, so it was a really unique experience. And for me personally, even sentimentally, my family is from that part of Italy. We're, we're supporters of that, of that team. So it was a very, very unique experience um, to get to play in that. It was an awesome experience. But what came of it after was just a, a tidbit, just a carrot was the coach after the game was very impressed by the way that I played. And he had spoken to my coach about me and asked if I had an Italian passport and asked where I had played before. And he was very, you know, complimentary of my performance in that game, even though it was a friendly. And that was kind of the spark for me. That was kind of the, the tool for me to say, you know what, maybe I should take a go at Europe. Maybe I can make this happen. And I took the film from that game. I sent it off to Italy. I shortly after I hopped on a plane after the league one season in October, I hopped on a plane and, and the rest is history. Like I said, I spent some time there training. I, I used that video almost as a way to speak their language. This is an opponent. This is a competition um, that I'm playing against that you understand that, that you are aware of um, being really much, even, even much higher than, than the one that I was aspiring to play at. Right. So the third or fourth division was where I was targeting. Um, and I was showing them tape from my game versus a, a top flight team, for example. Right. So I thought that could open some doors. It certainly did. Um, and then again, towards the end of my time there in Italy, I got a call from, from Halifax and the season had just started. I believe they had played one game already. Um, and I, that was so far from my mind. I just thought, you know, Canadian soccer had never really given me a chance and never really given me a look. And, and that was something that for me, uh, I wasn't going to fight and, and claw to try to, to try to, you know, change minds. I, I figured that that was something that I could, you know, if it was to be, it would come back to me. And it certainly did. Halifax called, hopped right in, you know, uh, again, at the end of a season kind of fatigued and, you know, hopped into a different uh, North American scheduling. So just the start of another season without an off season, without any rest, hopped in, you know, got to know my teammates on the fly, played every minute almost for Halifax. And, and that was a wonderful experience. Um, winning player of the year as well, voted by the fans. It was just a wonderful, wonderful year in total. When I take both experiences and I put them together, it was uh, probably the best year of football in my life because I was fully present with it. I had a great perspective and a very healthy perspective on just enjoying football because that's what it's all about, whether you play professionally or otherwise. If if you're not enjoying it, there's you know you're you're really not you're really not doing it right, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after those youth years, players tend to fall off due to many different reasons. Not a lot of players are able to survive. I want to drop some numbers here, Matthew. Um, I was reading a FIFA 2019 report. It said only out of 250, no, it's 230 million players around the world that play football at different levels. There's only 130,000 at that time back in 2019 that played professionally that were getting paid for what they love to do in Europe. You're you're a part of that, right? So that's that's amazing. You made your 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 dream come true, which is also amazing. Not a lot of players get to experience that. Um, so you mentioned Italy. Italy was your breaking point into the pro league, um, which 
at that time too, what year was this? Because the CPL didn't exist in that time, right? Because, you know, you'll hear a lot of players mention like, you know, back in the day, especially for me too as well, growing up, we didn't have a league to go to. So, um, so for you, um, where was I going with this question? Um, in, in regards of breaking into the pro league in Italy, what year was that? And did you have a European passport? Yeah, so I I didn't have my European passport initially when I had that friendly match and, and interest was there from that team. And um, so that was kind of the spark for me to go get it. So, you know, knowing the Italian consulate here in Toronto, there's a huge contingency of Italian people. Obviously, like we talked about, there's a huge community here in Toronto and in Vaughan especially. And I had looked into that, doing it from here. And one of the reasons that um, I went to Italy to do it um, was because it took, it, you know, an appointment took two years in order to file, even just to get an appointment to, you know, there's there's obviously a, a whole process in there and it's, you know, it takes very long. So I figured, you know, I challenged myself, I'd get going, I'd train with the team in the meantime, I'd file, you know, my Italian passport uh, documents from Italy uh, and, and get that done. And sure enough, it, it was done within six months, right? So uh, mission accomplished from that perspective. Um, the, the aspiration was very much to stay there. Uh, because there was no CPL, right? Like you said, in 2018, um, there there was rumblings of a CPL. There was they were talking about there being a CPL um, and it coming in the in the next year. Um, but again, you know, having heard even from from peers and colleagues and you know uh, teammates and ex teammates that they had been approached by teams, I was never approached by a team. And and you know, at the time, again, we're talking about. U Sports, uh, you know, two-time national championship, OUA All-Star, you know, five OUA, uh, four OUA championships, if I'm not mistaken. You know, that's the highest level. If we look at League One, which is a parallel, in my opinion, very similar to U Sports in terms of level, um, I've won four League One championships at that time, right? So basically, there's nothing else to win in Canada for you to, and, and that's an, at a team level, and I'm, I'm aware of that. And, also being a, a League One All-Star that year, I really thought to myself, like, what more can I do from an accolade perspective to to garner at least a little bit of attention or to garner a phone call or a trial or something? Um, and nothing had really come for me. No, no conversations, but they had been being had with others, right? So, again, there was nothing to aspire to. There was nothing for me up until 2018 to, to really look at. And, you know, it was just a logical thing for me. I, I wanted to play. Why? Because I love to play. I love football. And it, it didn't matter to me. And I was taking it as a life experience to, yes, there are sacrifices to going abroad and playing and not, I didn't see my family really. I saw them, you know, once uh, in August, in October, and then once again in May. Right. So it, it was very, very difficult. Obviously it was something that I had done in smaller chunks, not so much that in terms of distance, in terms of time zone, and also in terms of the length of time that I had spent away from family, it was very difficult. Um, I was obviously with my, my girlfriend at the time who is now my fiance and, you know, we had seen each other twice in, in a year, right? Like, and we're talking for a week, a week here and a week there, right? Because she's also living her life and, and studying and doing her masters. And it's very difficult for her to come and live with me in the, at that time. And, um, it was a lot of sacrifice, but again, because like you said, Kareem, there was nothing for us. If you wanted to be a footballer, there was an extreme amount of sacrifice that needed to be done. And, and there still is right. Even in playing in Canada. Um, there are simply just people that still, I mean, the CPL has done a great job for not letting those players fall through the cracks. Um, but there are still players that are, are very quality that, that just simply don't get a look. Right. And, 
you know, if you want to continue playing, you know, understanding that Europe is, I could look at my house and I could find five clubs within 10 kilometers of my house. That's an unlimited amount of opportunity, right? To the point where if you knock enough, it's a, it's a numbers game. You'll, you'll bust the door down and you'll find a starting point per se, right? So football is a, a lot different in Europe. It's, it's certainly something that requires sacrifice from us North Americans, but Again, the, the amount of possibility there is is endless and it certainly is pro player, right? If a player is doing well, um, you know, I find in the CPL, it, it is a bit different. The, the the negotiations are a bit different among player and, and, and team. I feel like the players right now in the growing stages of this league are very much uh, capped and limited in terms of their demand, especially being so few teams and so few spots at a certain position, and et cetera. But in Europe, it's very much in demand there's enough teams right where you can create some demand for yourself and you can really make a living or make a, a modest living but do what you love in the process right absolutely you know um I'm, I'm learning about you right now you're a complete winner at this point what you just mentioned the yeah. achievements that you had in canada what do you think what was the reason why no one was looking at you do you think it was lack of connection because you 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 were winning right you're making noise but what do you think it was? Was it the politics? Was there no connections? Uh, I think I think honestly, through through my my outlets and through the, the connections that I had made, I, I think there certainly was connection. I think there certainly was communication. I think, you know, one of the things that I I think that maybe went wrong, and it's still honestly to this day, I still feel it in in some way. I think that what you do as a professional and what I've prided myself my whole career on, whether I was professional or not, was doing the little things well and, and being a foundationally strong footballer, right? Whether that be a strong understanding of the game, um, but not necessarily being the most flashy player, going about my business every single day and doing the right things and and preparation being huge for me and, and building confidence and, and really just, again, being about my business every single day, whether that be what I did well, doing it very well and trying to do it as as many times as I could. So, you know, being a number six, being a center back, you know, when a center back's having a good game, you know, they're doing, they almost look like they're not in trouble. They're not, they're not put under pressure and maybe you don't notice them. Right. And, and, you know, when a player is never putting the ball at risk or, you know, is, is always, you know, in those positions, just keeping possession and you don't really notice them. That's kind of a good thing, but also from an optics perspective, it, it can be, you can get you can get kind of passed over for a more exciting type of player or a more high risk player, a more exciting player to watch. Um, as a midfielder, again, the the position I wasn't there to be getting assists, right? I was there to win balls, collect the ball, distribute distribute to the creative players, and and that was my job. And doing that in Italy was the same thing. They they found a lot of value in that. They found a lot of value in a in a workhorse and a in an engine who could just win balls cover a lot of the ground and make a simple pass to get us out of pressure. Whereas I don't necessarily know when we look at North American sports mm -hmm. as a whole, um, everyone loves a big play. Everyone loves, you know, those, those very flashy players. And those guys are the ones who, who sell uh, tickets. And, but I, I do believe that players like myself, we we're foundational in nature. We do the, the dirty work that maybe no one, you know, realizes. And I think maybe that that's what happened, right? Because, you know, people, don't didn't really notice what I was doing uh, in, in contribution to those championships, perhaps. Right. And maybe I didn't get as much attention because I wasn't scoring the goals or or whatever the case may be. Right. And, and maybe that's wrong. But that was my interpretation of it, because when I would watch, you know, my own film and, and stuff like that back, I 
I thought, wow, like, uh, you know, I'm by no means a special gifted, you know, out of this world footballer, but I do the right things all the time. And that's kind of what was instilled in me as a footballer from a young age that you do the right things. Well, if you know, you play in the balls on your left foot and you're able to play with your left foot, you've created, you know, half an, uh, an extra half second to play. You're creating time and space for your teammates. And that leads to, again, your, you know, your opponent arriving late and then breaking a press and, you know, those things to, to the naked eye seem like nothing. But those who understand football at a high level understand that those make sometimes all the difference, right? So perhaps it was just a, a lack of identification um, despite there being a league coming. It was just kind of a, a player that's just kind of dull in nature and is not so exciting, but gets the job done, right? Yeah, that was huge and great points there. Um, so boom, 2018, you went to Italy. How old were you when you went? So I was uh, 20. 24 years old which uh, so I was a bit of uh, even for you know Italy's context a bit late of a bloomer uh, yeah for sure so 23 24 you signed your first pro, uh, pro contract did you have an agent to help you with that process uh, so no actually my my contract with I was working with an agent in Italy for sure um, and so like I mentioned before it kind of came full circle where my plan was to stay in Italy the season was ending my plan was to sign with back with the team that I was training with because I had you know, attained my Italian passport, uh, and then Halifax called. So when Halifax called, it was it was direct. You know, it was right from the coach, right from the sporting director. Um, I got a phone call right to my phone. I'm not sure how he tracked me down, um, but there was no agent present in that process, um, which was very ironic, like we talked about when we talk about connection and, and that sort of thing, and agents can very much open those doors. Um, but afterwards, uh, yeah, I, you know, for me, in the CPL, I think, like you said, like I was winning, I was doing some things. And, and even with my season that I put together in Halifax, I think, and at this point, like, you know, there's a need for representation to sort of liaise the process. Um, for my, the point that I'm in in my career, I'm almost 28 years old. I, I don't necessarily need someone to, to open the door or have connections for me, at least not here in North America. Um, I need someone to liaise the process to make, um, you know, make the negotiations a bit more smooth between club and player. I think there's a bit of a hostility there, especially when you think about and consider CPL salaries and things like that. It's very difficult uh, for the player to advocate for themselves. And I think that that's what an agent would be very helpful with. Um, but when you're talking about Europe, yeah, like agents are are huge because they, they have they have the ability to open the door to, a, like we talked about, a numerous, almost endless amount of possibilities when it comes to clubs, right? Yeah, absolutely. So... 2018, you were 24, let's say. And then how long did you stay in Italy? Did, did you just stay there for one year and then come to Halifax or? Yeah, so so one entire season, right? Um, uh, I was training, again, between one and, you know, one team and another. Um, and, and the season ending, plan to sign for the for the following season. And then Halifax calls and, and away I go, right? So it was 2018 and then encroaching into 2019. I, I think I signed for Halifax in May of 2019. Um, so it was it was, uh, it was was kind of like that period in between um, where the European season is ending and the North American season would, had just begun per se, right? So um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, 23, 20, I was 24 actually because my birthday's in February. So I would have been 24 when I actually signed officially with Halifax. Nice. What advice would you give to players that want to go pro? I think there's, I think there's a lot right now in terms of training 
Uh, there's a lot in terms of preparation that people emphasize. And I think that's very important. I think understanding your own limitations, I think understanding your own humanity, um, whether that be emotionally, mentally, or, or physically, what your capabilities are, right? What your skills are, what your, you know, whether, what, what your physical attributes are, what your technical attributes are, um, are super important meeting yourself where you're at. So that awareness piece for me is, is massive. Um, I think in developing a high performance mindset and developing those things that can really give you uh, a competitive edge. I think everybody thinks about, you know, training to be a professional as doing more. I got to do more than the next guy. I got to do more than this guy. Um, everyone's doing this. I got to do more. I've explored, and this is where I found a lot of high performance benefits. And this is where I've made a career really is that, you know, when I play and, and if you've ever seen me play and for the viewers, if anyone's ever seen me play or watched the highlight tape, you, you know, that physically I'm not lacking in any way. I am, I'm, I'm tall and good, good, good profile to be a center back, good aerially, good on the ground, good ball skills, but there's a level of physicality that can't be expressed if we're doing too much so from a strength and conditioning perspective if we're not allowing the adaptations of our training so so the benefits the performance benefits to come through recovery if we're not giving ourselves adequate time to recover we're really just spinning our wheels right we're really a hamster running on a wheel we're not able to express for example if we do some speed training when we're getting faster but our, we're never allowing the tank to refill to 100 percent how do we know or how can we um, really express our new speed gains or our strength gains or our power gains, whatever we we're training towards, you know, there's a pursuit. And I think this comes with, as I mentioned, a high performance mindset is knowing when to push and knowing when to practice discipline. And I think discipline for most athletes who are driven is the hardest thing. It's harder to be more disciplined and know when it's time to, you know, forgive the expression, but sit on your ass and recover. Um, when it's time to train your mind, when it's time to train, um, you know, I'm big in meditation. I meditate every single day when it's time to find balance and when it's time to push. Right. And I think in our, in our external world, it's, it's very easy. And we look at things like social media and, um, everyone's talking about the next training that they're doing and they got to train to be like this. And, and there's this grind culture, right? This, this, you got to hustle, you got to grind, you got to grind. And that's completely true. You certainly do. But I see grinding as wanting to do more because I do, I very much would still want to do more but knowing in my body, knowing in my mind, knowing in my heart, when it's time to practice things like discipline, because discipline is a skill that will serve you that requires you to do nothing at all. And I think that's the most challenging thing is knowing when to implement these strategies to maybe focus on my emotional resilience or my mental resilience rather than my physical resilience, because my physical resilience perhaps is actually being overkilled right now. It's being overtrained. And if I practice a bit of balance and I learn to focus and I find exercises that give me stillness that I can be recovering in, but also training my mind for focus, training my mind for resilience, training my mind to emotionally regulate. Um, I think that can make all the difference because again, it's a new and growing field that I think it, it's, it can really give players a competitive edge and it certainly did for me. Yeah. Can you quickly mention, you mentioned some great points and I know you help around the mindset. Can you mention your program that you have that you're working on? Yeah, so MindFrame is a program that I started uh, in 2020 uh, in the midst of a pandemic. It was a program that I de designed through, basically the idea is to parallel mindfulness to sport or to incorporate and integrate mindfulness in sport. And mindfulness is simply, again, that awareness that we talk about, being in the present moment, being here on purpose, 
um, without judgment um, and, and in a curious way. So when we approach sport, when we approach our goals, when we approach ourselves in that way, we find that there's actually more of us. There's more potential behind um, behind our self-talk that maybe is defeating, right? We, we have that negative self-talk that sometimes limits us from physically pushing to, to, a, to a new level or emotionally allowing us to shut down or, or even with our attentional focus, when we feel that self-talk, when we get these distractions from external, you know, social media or externally in a match where, you know, maybe you're being heckled by the fans or maybe um, you have that self-talk that's distracting you from the, the actual stimulus, from the actual attention that you could be focused on that will actually make you a better footballer, for example. You know, we talk a lot about incorporating mindfulness in, in the gym or incorporating mindfulness on the field. And these tools, by simply sitting still, by practicing mindfulness, by focusing on your breath, you're training your attentional focus to be under your control. So I can direct that focus wherever I want. So when I'm squatting or when I'm, you know, playing with the ball or when I'm, when I'm passing the ball with the inside of my foot, I can externally rotate and I can, and being present means I can shift my attentional focus to my foot. I can get more and command more. I can lift my big toe and make a bigger surface to control that ball, to know how much force or how, how firm I need my ankle. You know, if I'm working on my weak foot, again, something that again, brain to brain to foot, that foot eye coordination is not as developed as the other foot. So how do I do that? Well, we do that with intention. If I can direct my attention to my, to my weak foot, for example, for any young footballers out there who are learning, if I can direct my attention directly to my weak foot and learn to lift the great toe and, and really be mindful about the process of how does it feel on my right when I lift my great toe, when I externally rotate my foot, I can try to mimic if I'm present and I'm not thinking about you know, what I have to do next or what I just did or I'm no good at this or any of the things that pass through our mind that take us away from the actual action that we're doing. I can get more out of that action. I can get more out of that left foot technical work. And therefore I can make some gains, right? If I'm squatting, I can feel my feet pushing into the ground. I can feel the tension building. If I can splay my toes, I might be able to get better balance. So again, the intention simply starts with the breath. It's a, it's a way that we sharpen that tool and then we can apply it and move it into any area of football, any area of any sport to, to gain benefit, right? And I think there's, there's also a balance effect. There's also a stress relieving effect. There's also... Um, a lot of a lot of benefits that come from finding stillness, from finding that quiet, and also understanding when it's time to switch off that brain, when it's time to tell that self-talk, "Hey, I know you're trying to help, but right now I need to be doing this thing, and then I can do that thing better." Right. So it's all about incorporating mindfulness in sport, and it's really just a mindful approach to every aspect of of an athlete's journey. Absolutely, great points. We'll we'll tap into that a, a bit bit later. Um, we're almost done here. You, see, you know, you got the chance to play in Italy. You got the chance to play in Canada. This is, um, you know, per, your personal favorite. What do you, where do you like to play more, in Italy or in, or in Canada? Which league? Um, when I think about it, Kareem, I think about both having their their positives and their negatives. Obviously, when I think about it as a as a life. Um, as a life decision, like I, when I think about football, I think about it as life as well and the life that you live there. And I think, I think I enjoy, that's a tough question. I think I really enjoy the footballing aspect of playing in Italy. I really enjoy um, the way that they think the game. I really enjoy the way that they, their, their competitive nature. I really enjoy um, just how ingrained it is into, into society. I think we're, we're getting there. I think with MLS, with the national team doing so well, it's really gaining some traction, but 
what I love about playing here is that my family, I, I can see my family regularly. And, and when I think about what's conducive to my happiness as a human being, it's being around family. We're very family oriented. And if I can play my whole career in the CPL, I'd be very, very humbled and very, you know, very grateful for that. Um, but there is something about playing in Europe that makes you feel very connected to the, to the whole world as a footballing nation. Right. I think we're all, I think we're all, connected through football and I think that's beautiful I think it's brought us here today and and when you're in and immersed in a culture that you know you go to the coffee shop and 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 people are talking about last game and we're talking about third and fourth division or you go to the next place and someone recognizes you and buys you a coffee because you know they know that you play for their local team even though we're in a different city like football is is completely different in that way so super cool to connect with people, to meet people all through football, all with that lens who who really just love football as much as we do, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to ask you these last two questions. How did it feel to sign your first professional contract? Yeah, that was that was a super special moment for me. I I was very emotional. I obviously I called my family right away. I was actually in Italy when I when I signed the contract or committed to the contract, um, and it was. It was almost like the the beginning for me, but also in a way it was the end of a of a very long wanting journey, right? And it was a very winding path for me. And you know, the more I think about my journey as a human being, a lot of what football brought me was positive, and I'm very grateful for that. But a lot of what came as a byproduct was very difficult, right? And in the passion that I had for it, and we'll touch on this again a little bit later, but. Um, a lot of that wanting created stress in my life. It created a lot of anxieties in my life. It, it created a, a performance anxiety that held me back when I talked about that North Carolina opportunity. I felt a lot of performance anxiety. I felt a lot of, um, you know, a lot of things hindering my ability to just enjoy the day-to-day -day where, you know, it, it, it triggered bouts of depression in me. And, and when I think about my journey as a human to get to that point, um, I still get emotional today. I have, I have goosebumps right now just thinking about um, the amount of daily preparation that it took, the amount of sacrifice that it took, and, and really the amount of growth and how far I had come, to be honest. Um, it was all a culmination, on, I guess, onto signing on a dotted line, but the growth that I always had said, the growth that had come from the journey was much more rewarding even than signing on the on the dotted line, if that makes any sense. So it was a tangible thing to, you know, have your jersey with your name on it. And I'll do one of those, just that's the jersey right there. And that's but that's a symbol for me of all of the of the entire journey and being able to grow from that journey that that made that that one instant very special, right? Yeah. Damn, I forgot to ask you to wear a jersey for the video. I usually ask. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um the last question. Uh, Matthew, what's your most memorable football moment in your life? I think it has to be, um, I wish I could remember the date. Hang on, let me try to remember. It was July, I want to say it was July 4th, July 5th, July 5th, July 5th, I'm going to say July 5th. We'll, we'll fact check it after the show, but July 5th, uh, my... July 5th of what year? Of 2019, sorry, July 5th, 2019. Sorry, I should have said that. Um, so what happened in that day was it was a home game at Wanderers Grounds in Halifax. And my family flew in that morning, uh, my parents specifically and my grandparents. And I picked them up from the airport and I remember them saying, don't pick us up because you have a match at 1 p.m. Like, don't worry about it. 
Um, but I said, no, no, I'm going to come pick you up. So I, I went and I picked them up and continued my preparation for a match. And that was the first time they had seen me play professionally. Um, and I remember, I believe it was the second half. Uh, it was zero, zero, having a great game, to be honest, keeping a clean sheet and went up for a corner. And it almost felt very, it was, it's kind of funny because if you watch the goal back, it's like, it's a nothing goal, right? It, it just kind of hits me and goes in, but it almost felt like the stars were aligned for me in that moment with my family there. And it was very meant to be, it felt very spiritual for me because again, corner kick, or I believe it was a wide free kick gets flicked on at the near post. And just as I'm crashing the, the middle of the goal as part of our tactic, it just kind of hits me and goes in, right? And, and the ability to be there they witnessed it and celebrate and you know we ended up winning the mat the game one nil one man of the match that game and you know it was just it was all full circle because they, they've been with me since day one whether i'm you know geographically here or there in italy and you know physically emotionally mentally they've been here for me and and to be able to share in that moment being really it was my second professional goal because i had scored one before but for them to really be there and present and share that in that with them um considering that was the only game that they were in Halifax for as well. Uh, I could have very easily not scored, as we know, as a defender, as a center back. I ended up scoring two goals that whole season. So, um, yeah, it was it was really special. It was something that came full circle. And I was just, I remember having to finish out the game and really just being completely distracted by positivity and just being very full um, emotionally, right? My heart was full and it was almost like nothing could ruin this day, you know? And, and that was, that's something that I'll take with me forever. Yeah, that that had me smiling the whole time. That that is that's amazing, right? That's in the history. It's in the records forever. And as you mentioned, um, just magical, right? Like center, you you said it. Center backs don't score that many goals, and and for them to be there and to see that, man, that's that's amazing. Okay, well. We'll go on to the, the last court, five questions here. It's speed questions. You got to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Who's, who's your favorite team? Lazio. Favorite player? Currently or as a child? Currently. Leonardo Bonucci. Uh, favorite cleats? Uh, Nike Premiers. Uh, favorite food? Oh, that's a tough one, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go a nice margarita pizza. Okay, yeah, for sure. And um, the last one, your favorite artist, uh, music? Coldplay. Like, uh, and favorite song by Ooh, uh, probably. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna say Yellow. Yellow. Okay, Matthew. Uh, before we go, I just um, actually was there anything that you wanted to add in, or any something that I didn't ask you? No, no, no. I think I think we touched on as uh, in terms of football, my journey. That's that's my journey, and again, I. I offer these tidbits. I offer um, a piece of advice to everyone and, and these athletes that perhaps are listening, young athletes, aspiring athletes, current athletes. This is something that I believe truly in my heart is that we do this journey um, seemingly alone, but we're very much walking. I like to call it Central Park. We're all in Central Park, but we're all on different paths. But I think what unites us is the love for football and that keeps us uh, a join, that keeps us connected. And, and the more we can do things like this, and what you're doing, Kareem, is amazing because, again, if people hear my story and they hear, as I touched on, you know, bouts of depression and anxiety and, and they can feel, you know, that there's one more person like them, we can start to normalize 
the aspects of, of being an athlete that, that let's be honest, they, you know, you know them as well. They're very difficult and they're very challenging at times for you to, to, to navigate. Right. And, and just to know that you're not doing it alone, to know that you can reach out to myself, to people like Kareem, to people who have, have maybe have ceased to be ceased to play, but have walked the journey at one point or another in your shoes. And I think that goes a long way for building the community of footballers. Right. Cause I think if we, if we can find someone who's who's been through the things that we've been through or we can relate to them in any way, um, we can maybe make that connection and, and maybe that drives us further in the sport or maybe that provides us with a little bit of relief from what we're feeling. But I think we all want to build community as footballers. I think without footballers, there's no there's no football, right? So when we remember that and remember that we're all joined by it, um, we really are connected. And, and I just want to extend that, extend that to anyone listening if they're is anything that they need from me if there is a, a moment that stuck out to you or a piece of advice that i can offer please reach out um connect with kareem connect with myself uh and we'd be happy to you know i'd be happy to help you in any way absolutely matthew work, i mean thank you for the comment um where can the players reach out to you yeah you can reach out to me on social media you can reach out to um me through email uh it's just my last name my first name so arnone matthew at gmail.com um you can reach out to me on Instagram at Arnone Matthew 23. Uh, I believe it's the same on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well. So again, anything I can do to help, please reach out. Anything I can do to help you get closer to your dream, I'd be happy to do it. And just want to pay it forward. Again, I just want to pay it forward. I'm very grateful to have the journey that I have. If it ends tomorrow, it's been a beautiful ride. And I just want to help others have a beautiful ride and a beautiful experience in football. Absolutely. And you're, you're creating a, a program, a platform that, that helps the players as well that we're going to tap into next. So, uh, guys, make sure you guys stay tuned and check out the next video. Uh, Matthew, uh, before we go, I just want to thank you for taking the time for joining us on the Lawn Soccer Nation podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, very, very grateful. And uh, I hope we can do some good with this. And uh, I'm sure you're already doing some great some great things. I've been been following the people you've been interviewing and it, you're really building a community. So hats off to you and thanks for having me.